like it wasn't working. You know, what I had, what I had done to, to create success up to that point wasn't working. And I had to like put it all back together because I mean, I literally stick a, stuck a barrel of a gun in my mouth and it was like, like, it, I mean, it, there was no reason to continue to live. I was 300 pounds suicidal, drinking toxic levels, you know, every single night wow. about two months in. I picked up the phone and we were getting ready to jump on a call. And he said, how's Mike Kiko today? And I said, let me tell you, it's fun to be Mike Kiko. And he said, all right. <laughs> like that was a, that was a moment for him. He said, all right, we started this work three, two months ago, three months ago, whatever it was. He said, those objectives, I don't, that doesn't matter to me anymore. I want to say that one day. Right. I want to say it's fun to be Mike Kiko or him, his name. He said, I want, I want to say that it's fun to be to be how do i do that if we don't it's almost like we're all pain motivated and if we don't fail big enough then there's not enough pain and there's no reason to do something different enough i'm fatih light and i'm rick rupenthal welcome to an honest look where we look at transformation from the inside out unplugged unscripted and in the moment Welcome to the podcast. Welcome to Mike Kitko, our fabulous guest today. We're so looking forward to having this conversation with you. Hey, Rick, how are you doing? Fantastic, actually. Fantastic. I love it. I love it. We reached, we reached a milestone just now. We did not start with our mouths open. Oh, <laughs> it's like possible? It's like... <laughs> we did it. High five. No. We did, we did, and and um, I want to I want to state the obvious. We have we have somebody in the room with us here. Right, right. So <laughs> let me just introduce Mike properly, and then we'll let you just do the talking, Mike, because I feel like we just talk too much otherwise. <laughs> Wait till I get started. Yeah. <laughs> I'm looking for <laughs> like energy, right? Yeah, right. Talks like energy. So Mike Kiko is the founder and CEO of Inner, Inner Wealth Global. He has over 15 years of Fortune 500 executive experience and over five years of business executive. And he's, he's been a, a business executive coach for over five years. He's also been recognized as the Buddha, the business Buddha. There you go. Did you I, want to latch on to that, Rick? I know that you really loved well, that piece. I, well, there's a couple of things. I, I, I mean, uh, you know, prior to the show, we've we've um, we've we've talked to Mike about about coming on our show, and you know, and just some of the things that he that he was saying then, and and then just five minutes before we were on, uh, Mike, you were sharing so much of what's happened to you. Uh, recently over the last couple of weeks and I know you had a podcast that really highlighted a lot of lot of that recently um, but you know what really kind of sort of highlights and going okay what the heck is this business Buddha thing right it's, it's, um, you know I've heard about you know Zen and the art of whatever you know motorcycle repairing and things like that so like how does a guy get business Buddha Buddha, Buddha. <laughs> Buddha, we were really butchering this one, Rick. I was sitting with a good friend of mine and we were, she's, she's a communications architect, right? So what she mm -hmm. does is you tell her all about you and your message and what you want to share and what you want to teach. And, and then she like starts designing, okay, here's kind of your talking points. And literally I downloaded her and dumped for about an hour and she said, you're the business Buddha. That's it. Like, wow. and, and, and I went home and looked for the URL and it was already taken. So, you know, it's not <laughs> like this is a new concept, but the point is, is, you know, look, I, I love, I love running a, a heart-based business that brings joy to the world and brings joy to me and, and brings a lot of fulfillment and a lot of peace and love and harmony and, and awareness and, and, and new awakenings and, and new enlightenments and just new, you know, new levels of prosperity to people. But, um, uh, it, it started, you know, years and years ago. Oh, so I'm a Marine veteran. I, I, 
we got a little bit of a uh, delay, yeah. A connection. It's okay. That's what you did to me when you disappeared that one time. Oh, really? Oh, really? <laughs> I don't know, Mike, if you're on a wireless or if you could hardwire in. Um, but we've lost the connection on you. And if you can hear me, maybe you oh, can. Um, oh. I rode the the ladder in corporate America Mike. up the uh, the Mike. ladder from all the way from. Uh, yes. Like we we completely lost yeah. you for like a couple of minutes. Start all over again. Just let us know your background. Yeah, I, I didn't know. I didn't know whether I didn't know whether or not. So <laughs> I will. Hear. I will. So, um, Go ahead. Let me start. So I'm also a Marine veteran. Yeah. And and when I was when I was uh, I exited the Marine Corps in 1997. And I jumped right into corporate America and I, it was a seamless transition from, you know, from a leadership position in the Marine Corps leadership, uh, rank and authority in the Marine Corps. And, and I jumped into corporate and I, I was an individual contributor. And over the next 15, 16 years, I just rode the, the ladder of success, right? Right. I mean, easily, effortlessly, pretty much right up the, uh, right up the corporate ladder. And I just kept getting promoted and I kept getting, you know, raises and I kept getting trained and they, they pulled me all over the country and they started, uh, I was a high potential. I was listed as a high potential candidate, you know, for leadership positions and they funded my MBA and they paid for education. And it was, it was like, it, it was fast. It was furious. And I doubted myself the entire time. And mm -hmm. I wrote a book called the, the imposter in charge. It's all about, you know, the levels of inadequacy and insignificance that I felt inside that, you know, even though I'm sitting at the cat in the captain's seat at the head of the table and I, I've got you know, hundreds of people that are working for me in, you know, when I'm running a $350 million, you know, organization. And I'm just like, I just hope nobody asks me a question because I just don't want to be exposed as a fraud. Right. Even though I had degrees and I had talent and I had skills and I had all of this goodness. And it was, I mean, I had proven results and I just, I just never really felt adequate or significant or safe or, or valuable or worthy or of any of it. And, and eventually I ate myself to death and I drank myself to death in my home environment mm -hmm. and, I, and our family, you know, my wife fell into addiction because of the chaos that we were both in. And I fell into addiction and, and we were, you know, we, we, we lived in a physically, mentally, emotionally abusive uh, household. My kids were raised in an, like a combat zone environment. And in 2015, 2015, 20, yeah, 2014, I got fired from my first executive level. After a long run, I got fired from my first job, um, fired for the first time, I should say. And we oh. spent five months drinking. Wow. We've, we've, we spent, my wife and I spent five months drinking our uh, severance away. And then I got another job, another executive level position. I lasted with that company for about 15 months. And the wheels completely fell off. And that's when I figured out that I had the, like, it wasn't working. You know, what I had, what I had done to, to create success up to that point wasn't working. And I had to like put it all back together because I mean, I literally stick a, stuck a barrel of a gun in my mouth and it was like, like, it, I mean, it, there was no reason to continue to live. I was 300 pounds suicidal, drinking toxic levels, you know, every single night. Wow. And, and just again, with an abusive uh, household, and the only thing I ever had up to that point was I had money and I had titles and that was the source of my identity. And when I didn't have those anymore and I couldn't get those anymore, then like, it's like everything had been ripped from me. Now the pain didn't, there wasn't enough pain in, in having an abusive household. There wasn't enough pain having, you know, my wife in addiction too. It's when I lost my money and my titles, that's when the, the pain really came. And that, you know, it's mm. when my material worth was put into jeopardy. That's when the eyes opened. So um, the only thing I ever enjoyed when I look back and I started taking inventory of, of what I wanted to be when I grew up from that point forward, um, when I didn't pull the trigger. So the, what are the only things, what, what did I really enjoy about life? Because at, at this point, after that decision, it's like I, I was on bonus time. That's how I looked at this thing. That's how I still look at it. I'm on bonus time. Like, I'm not even supposed to be here. When you put a barrel of a gun in your mouth, you're not supposed to be here. This is bonus time. I am literally in the bonus. And every day is a blessing. I'm getting emotional. Every day is a blessing when I get to wake up. And it's like, okay, I'm in the bonus. I'm never going to do anything that I don't want to do ever again. So what do I want to do? And there was only there's only like two things that I ever enjoyed in my corporate career. And that's developing people and developing teams. And I vowed to only do those 
for the rest of my life and nothing else that I hate or nothing else that I don't want to do or I don't want to get that I don't get excited about. And when I started, like I told my wife that I was going to, you know, start a coaching business and a personal development business. And she was still in addiction. She started laughing at me. Say no, like she's like, no, we need benefits. No, that's what we need. We don't need benefits. I need to be happy, and I started on my path to create the life that I've always wanted to live. And she like started fighting and started like really like going heads up. I mean, she started like attacking me like there was no tomorrow. So I filed for divorce. And this was after like 16 years of marriage, filed for divorce. And the next day after the divorce, she came downstairs and said, okay, I don't want to get divorced. How do we do this thing? And that's when we both broke out of addiction. And and that's when we really started. We went to our neutral corners and I started repairing my shit and she started repairing her shit. And when we came back together, it was a marriage like made in absolute heaven. And and like we still have spats, but we don't fight. Right. And and it's like that again, we recognize that we're in the bonus and we're just we're living the life of our dreams now. And you know, when when I work with business owners and people with multi-millions of dollars and huge businesses and and five and six businesses, and they're not enjoying it, I'm like we got to figure this thing out from the inside out, man. You've lived from the outside in and it's not working. You've got the money and you got the success, but you're not enjoying any of it. And I know what that feels like because I've been there and I wrap my arms around them and I just, I partner with them to make sure they understand how good the insides of their world can be as soon as we stop identifying with what's going on around them and in their, in their external world. And, And that's absolutely, you know, like, um, I experienced that deep depression myself when I um, I blew my back out, and and the doctor said I was never going to be a paramedic again, and I was attached so much to that identity that I figured if I can't do this, what what am I going to be doing, right? You know, kind of a thing. And but you you talked. I just want to briefly go back to because you you know the, what your wife was saying about we need benefits, <laughs> right? Well, to me, what, what what I hear is we need certainty. Right. right. <laughs> so <laughs> we had been fired twice in yeah. twenty months, but we wanted certainty, right? <laughs> right. So, so, it, but it, and we latch onto that, you know, yeah. from, from an ego point of view, like you know, it's like because you're what you're talking about is is okay. Yeah, I, I I will have fun when I have more certainty in my life. Right. And what you're pointing to is is this notion that maybe just maybe certainty comes from first finding out what what where joy comes from right right you know so so i'm curious on the on what was the what what, did did you notice a shift between that like letting go of you know what i don't need the certainty anymore i didn't i don't need that part of me anymore yeah i i think I don't think you ever really let go completely. I mean, look, we're human beings. We have an amygdala, right? And yeah. somewhere on my desk here, I have a, I have a, two almonds that are glued together yeah. because in workshops and in seminars, I hold up these almonds and I say, this is the size of your amygdala. And in a lot of cases, this thing is running your life. Like yeah. I'm, I'm a 210 pound guy. And, you know, for 40 years, 43 years, that amygdala, that thing the size of an almond ran my life. Like I, it told me when I should be scared and, 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 and like when there was, I mean, it was constantly signaling danger. It, it's not that those doubts or worries or fears ever go away. And, and the, the, the grasp, the primal grasp for certainty, but it's, we learn how to deal with them and we learn how to, how to, uh, bypass it. And we learn how to um, take control of our mind and our body. And when we get those false signals, we learn how to turn those false signals into real signals based on, you know, security and internal security, I should say, and adequacy and significance and trust that, man, I'm, I just turned 50 and I'm undefeated. I've had a lot of challenges and obstacles in my life and I haven't died yet. I even tried to kill myself and I failed. Right. <laughs> so it's like, if, if I'm undefeated up to this point, what makes me think that that next obstacle or next challenge or next bit of uncertainty is going to kill me? I'm undefeated. 
And I think when we when we really start to you you have a mind, you have a body, but you are the energy in your body. You are the spirit. You are the soul. You are the divine. You're, you're, you're one with the divine. God's not outside of you. God's everywhere and God's inside of you. And I, for a long time, I worshiped this God that, I, that was outside. My wife and I now call him like Sky Daddy. But the point being is like when I realized that God's in my heart, yeah. I don't, I don't like, I don't have to worry. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's the, it's the air I breathe. It's the energy running through my, my body. It's, it's vitality. But we have a mind in our body that keeps us from identifying as that infinite, ultimate power and abundance and prosperity. That's, that's, that's our infinite, eternal essence. And, and look, I mean, I don't want to get way too mystical, but the point is, is we identify with our humanity and identifying with our divinity is a lot more fun. Right. Well, not only we identify with our humanity, we identify with things that we have decided to find whether or not we're worthy, right? Your career, your accomplishments, all the things, that, all the doing that you do. And when the doing, you know, like I think your, your story is a perfect example of that. When that is no longer there, then it's a castle that it's a, you know, falls apart like a castle that, that just like crashes. And you don't know how to put the pieces back together because it, it's not about putting those pieces back together. It's about what's on the inside that depends on that thing outside of you to feel worthy, to feel fulfilled, to feel seen, right? To feel validated. So I love what you just shared. There's so much about your story that I feel so many people can relate to. Well, I, I think. And, and we talked about this a little bit, you know, in our, our lead up to this is, I, I mean, there's a there's a quote that I use like constantly with my students and with my clients and in my teachings. And it's the thing you want will, not, will never solve the problem that you have. Yeah. The problem that you have is you think you have a problem. So, you know, the thing you want is another comma or zero that it's OK, but just understand that it's those things aren't going to solve a problem. A bigger house isn't going to solve a problem. My wife and I moved from Maryland to Oregon and Oregon to St. Louis. And we thought if we just made a, a big enough geographical move that all of our problems would be solved. Right. We wanted to move. But the problems just move with us. Right. right. So when when we have and I talk about four voices that that are always that are inside of us. And and there's three painful voices and one where you're going to find all your joy and fulfillment. And those three those three painful voices are insecurity inadequacy and insignificance. Insecurity is the fear of loss, right? And this is what eats people. This is why people go to jobs that they hate and work for people that they don't want to work for and do things that they don't want to do. And this is why they rob banks and all kinds of stuff, right? It's insecurity, the fear of loss. Inadequacy is I'm not good enough. The insignificance is I don't matter. And I, I wrote a book based on those last two, inadequacy and insignificance. And the only voice that's inside of you, and it's not in your mind, it's in your body. It's the one that's going to bring you joy and fulfillment. And, and that voice is inspiration, right? right. It's, that, it's that, that purpose, that mission, that impact that's inside of you that's trying to get out into the world. And when you harness that, the voices of insecurity, inadequacy, and insignificance, they might still be there, but they, right. they quiet. And your, yeah. when your spirit speaks through and your spirit starts leading the way, you're unstoppable and unbreakable. And that's when life gets really fun. But, but then, and I'll say this, I love zeros and commas. I love, I love travel. I love having nice things. I love enjoying the worldly pleasures and the material pleasures that, that are so abundant on, on our earth. But they're never going to solve a problem that I have. And that is the, the mental shift, an emotional shift that we get to make. Enjoy the physical world. Enjoy the material world. But don't try to have your problems solved through them. Yeah. Those are the result of what you find inside, right? That, those come as a result of that, what you find within you, the purpose and the connection to yourself. I mean, that's what I really hear and like, I can connect to your story in, in so many ways, but for me personally, it was that feeling of this feeling disconnected from who I was, not knowing who I was, not knowing what I wanted, not knowing what even even meant to be happy or connected or like, you know, even with my children, like I felt like, oh, I know I love my children more than anything, but I there were times when I couldn't connect to that, couldn't feel it. 
right? And it's the moment that you find that connection within yourself to yourself mm-hmm. that all the outside arranges itself to, to match that, right? I was on a coaching call one time. It, this is a beginning of, of a, a coaching relationship I had with a guy going back a couple of years ago. And he, we started a program and it was a, it was a 12 month journey that we were going to take. And he had some dedicated outcomes. Here are the three outcomes that he wanted to achieve. And about, ah, probably about two months in, and we were making good progress towards those, but about two months in, I picked up the phone and we were getting ready to jump on a call. And he said, how's my Kiko today? And I said, let me tell you, it's fun to be my Kiko. And he said, all right. <laughs> like that was a, that was a moment for him. He said, all right, we started this work three, two months ago, three months ago, whatever it was. He said, those objectives, I don't, that doesn't matter to me anymore. I want to say that one day. Right. I want to say it's fun to be my kick or him, his name. He said, I want, I want to say that it's fun to be, how do I do that? Like, and that's, that's the joy of life. Like I get to wake up every day realizing it is really fun and enjoyable to be my Kiko. I punished myself and I hated myself for a long time. And I thought I was worthless and I had no value. And I, I was just a waste of space and a waste of time and a mistake. And, you know, the, just the lucky sperm, not the, not the, the freaking miracle sperm, right? right. 400 trillion chance that I was going to be here and here I am, right? The fact that I'm not a miracle is like insanity. One in 400 trillion chance that I was going to be sitting here. And when I connect to that every day, it really is fun to be me. And holy crap, from that place, I get to make an impact in the world and I get to move the, the needle in people's lives with them and I get to love them and I get to I get to cherish them and I get to value them and I get to partner with them and I get to I get to love them when other people don't. And I get to accept and, and lift them and inspire them when other people are trying to tear them, tear them down. How can you not love life when when you leave everybody better than you found them? It's impossible. <laughs> and I was just telling somebody this morning this that the whole notion of you know, you have no idea when you drop that pebble in the ocean, how far that that ripple is going to go. Right. You know, and the impact that you have on the world is incredible when you when you think of the scope of that. Right. You know, um, so it's it. I love what you're pointing around, you know, the fact that you you can you can do the inside out and, and not be poor. Because a lot of people think, you know, it's like, oh yeah, I've 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 seen the I've seen the Buddha. Sorry, I know your business Buddha, but you know, it's like, and and I all these spiritual people, they all put on drabby clothes and 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 sell everything. <laughs> you, know, you know, there's a stereotype out there. Yeah. Right. And and it goes against everything Western culture is talking about. Competition. You got to get rise to the top. You got to, you know, sell, 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 sell. But you're right, Mike. If if you're having a shitty time at it, like why? <laughs> like, right. Well, because we're wired, right? We're wired this way, and until the moment of awareness comes, when we see it, when we truly see it, that's when we can make that shift. But until you see it, the program is running you, right? I look. I materially, financially. My family does pretty well. And I, I've got a client that connected with me and he said, and I, I'm going to, I'm going to use some language real quick. So cover your ears if you don't want to hear it. You're talking to me. <laughs> he, he texted me and we got off a coaching call and he said, you know what I love about you? You're a spiritual motherfucker and you don't look like it. Like, right. I don't have to look the part to be the you part. You don't have to look the part. Right? You know, like I get to be my Kiko. I don't have to be anybody else. Right. Yeah. I, I mean, we, we just, it, we get to figure out what's in here and express that. We don't have to put on different clothes. We don't have to look like anything. We don't have to be tattooed up to be tough. And we don't have to be like, I mean, we don't have to be like wear beads and lots of patchouli to be spiritual. Like, like we can just be ourselves and be okay. And in fact, when you, when you, just show up as yourself and you're authentic and, and you're vulnerable and you're raw and you're like in integrity and you're honest with people and you just, you shine the light that's inside of you. 
like the right people lean in and the right people run away. And it's beautiful. Both of them are beautiful. Yeah. Because then you need the right people around you that you don't have to prove anything to them. Yeah. You just get to be yourself, right? Right. What we all really just want to be ourselves all the time. We want to be ourselves. We want a peace of mind. Yeah. You know, a peaceful mind, not a piece of a mind. <laughs> but, you know, but it's, yeah, no. Um, so when you talk about, you know, the the inside out and, and, you know, these aren't new concepts, you know, they've been around for thousands of years and the biblical, I mean, come on. Yeah. Right. I mean, these, these concepts have been around for since the beginning of, of recorded human history. Yeah. Right. It, my, my company is, is the name of my company is inner wealth global and it's about inner wealth creates external wealth. Right. Yeah. Somebody who feels wealthy inside will never, ever struggle with money. And I know that's a hard concept for people to wrap, wrap their, their heads around. But when I, I have worked with lots of people who were successful, who didn't feel successful, but I've yes. never, ever worked with somebody who felt successful, who wasn't successful. Yeah. Right. Those two go hand in hand. And it all depends right. how you feel. Right. Like when you love yourself, it's really easy to love people. When you don't love yourself, you you need something from other people that they can't give you. Yeah. And you can get frustrated and angry because like anger is like like love turned or externally like frustrated, right? But th the point is, is somebody who's internally wealthy, somebody who feels internal success, they're not going to struggle materially and financially and, and, and with achievement. You're just not because you're you you feel too valuable. And I've said this to some students before. I said, I love myself too much to ever be broke. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. <laughs> like, right. Because there, there can be that stereotype too, right? In order to be spiritual and, and walk, then you don't care about money and wealth is a bad, right? That, like, there's all sorts oh. of like, beliefs around that, right? That so, wealth is bad. <laughs> so that's called woke and broke, right? And and I had, I had a, a I was on a, a call, like, I was a student on a call one time and it's a couple of years ago and, and the guy was teaching and he said, Hey, he started, you know, throwing down some woo woo stuff. Right. And he said, Hey, is this too woo woo? And one person responded, it was on a zoom. One person responded, it's never too woo woo. He said, it does get too woo woo because if you're woke and your bank account is empty, you're too woo woo. <laughs> like, if, if you're woke and you're living in the land of the woo-woo and your head's in the clouds and your bank account's empty and you're struggling to pay your bills and struggling to pay your mortgage, you are way too woo-woo. You know what that's called? That's called coping. That's how a lot of people cope. They go to the... For me, what it's also called is these spiritual principles teach us how to make money. If, if you're woke and broke, you're not you're not applying spiritual principles. No, no, you, like, you've got it intellectually. That's what you got. That's right. You're just not applying it. Right. Yeah. So, so it, my spirituality tells me that I don't I don't want anything. I just choose it. When I choose it, I, I receive it. Right. Like you believe, and, you, believe and, you can have it. Right? And I prove that shit to be true. Right. Mm -hmm. So when I, I don't want, I choose. And when I choose, I get, I receive because life wants for me what I want for myself. And, and yes. God, God, like God helps those who help themselves. And, and I, I don't want, I just choose if I want, if I want another student, I just like choose to get one. <laughs> I don't, I don't need to chase a student. I just choose one and, and yeah. then I receive one. So yeah. it might, might take a couple calls. But I ultimately choose, and if when I choose, I get. So these are spiritual principles applied. This isn't a, this isn't the earthly plane isn't a plane of want. It's a it's a plane of choosing for those who truly believe that they deserve. Yeah, yeah. And and you also talked about um, the inner guide, like your that that quieter voice that that for me it's my inner GPS. I call it the inner GPS, right? And when the idiot kind of quiets down a little bit, that voice comes up and it guides me, you know, and it sort of points me, call it inspiration, intuition, whatever you want to, wisdom. Um, it's, it's not predictable, but it's damn accurate. Oh, yeah. 
right? When it happens, it's sort of like, yeah, that is that is my first step. That is my next step. That's my phone call. That's my, right? Sure. And when we trust yeah. that, I find it, and, and this is where the exploration happens. Um, you know, I don't want any of my clients to believe me. I want, I want you to go out and explore this, right? Try it on, see how it fits, you know, go small, whatever, whatever speaks to you. But, but, you know, next time that inspiration comes up, like, see where it leads you, see what happens. Right. And um, yeah, no, to me, that's always been the miracles. And then when you, there's so many examples of, of um, individuals that are doing some of the amazing things in this world. They're just having fun. Hmm. They're just having fun. You know, um, I don't know if you saw the documentary on the uh, the, the Beatles documentary um, that was done. It's a, it's a rather long, long one, but it's it was shot back in the 60s and they in their studio while they were creating all these incredible songs that, that are iconic today. And they're just nothing's being figured out. They're just sort of like playing around, you know, and they come and then, you know, Paul would say, hey, have you heard, look at, listen to this. And then John would go, yeah, that sounds really cool. You know, it's like, I can't, I can't figure out what the, what I should call like the name of that. Right. And she said, well, it'll come to you. It'll come to you. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, and, and so when, you know, I get asked what, what's the difference between, in the the voice of insecurity and adequacy and significance how can i tell that from the voice of inspiration mm, good question inspiration you feel it in your body inspiration is not a thought inspiration is a feeling it's like a it's like a knowing it's like a whole body warmth that says fuck yes like <laughs> it's that thing that you like do you mean i get to do that are you are you kidding me like it's it's an i get to not i have to where if it's insecurity and adequacy and significance, they're, they're like obligations or, or there's something where we're just trying to keep the wheels on or we're doing it because we mm -hmm. feel like we have to. And those aren't, those aren't healthy places to be. And like when you get inspired, every problem can be solved in an inspirational way. We don't have to, we don't have to kill ourselves to solve problems. Like it, when I started my business, I mean, my first full year in business and, and look, I, I mean, I, I just, like didn't even have a website. I just went out and started telling people I was a coach. And my first full year in business, I exceeded any income I did in executive level, you know, positions. And it wasn't because my I wasn't using my MBA. I wasn't, I, I had never started a business. The point is, is I just believed, I started believing in myself. And I just said, hey, I've here's the problem I solve. And I just started asking people if they knew who had that problem. And 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 I, here was this was my entire marketing plan. Yeah. Right. I'm going to tell you my entire marketing plan my, in 2017, my first full year in business. This got me this got me to double six figures. All right. Executive level executive leaders hire me to help them feel as powerful inside as they appear on the outside. Wow. That was my entire marketing plan. Wow. I just went from conversation to conversation instead of saying I'm a coach. I said executive leaders hire me to help them feel as powerful inside as they appear on the outside. And somebody would go and I'd say, do you know anybody who, who you know, could use that? And they'd go. <laughs> yeah, sure. Of course. So and the point is, is that was the start of a business. And all business is, is we can solve problems that people want solved. They have a problem. We can help them solve it and they'll pay you and they'll compensate you to solve that problem. It's very basic and very easy. Everyone has a problem that they will pay to have solved. It's just, are you a problem solver or a problem creator? Or are you so worried about your bank account? You're not worried about their problem. I'm going to tell you one more story. I had a, I had a client, we're sitting in a, we're sitting in a coffee shop and he's trying to get new clients for his consulting business. And he keeps beating his head up against the, up against the wall. And he's like, why is not nobody wanting what I have to offer? And I said, and I'm going to use a, a different name. And Mark, I'll say, Mark, that lady over there has a problem. Do you know what it is? He said, I don't, I don't care what the fucker problem is. I said, that's why you don't have any clients. She has a problem that she will happily pay to solve. And you don't care what her problems are. That's why you don't have any clients. 
the reason I have a lot of clients is because I care about people's problems. And I offer, when I think I can solve those problems and help them solve those problems, I offer them to work with me. And sometimes they say yes, and sometimes they say no, but at least they know I care. Mm. And at least I know I care. And that's why my business thrives. And that's why you can't get a client because you don't care about people. You only care about your, your bank account. And I care about people and my bank account. And because of people, my care, concern and love for people and my, my w willingness and ability and desire to actually positively impact their lives, my bank account fills up. And that's the difference between me and you. Yeah, so true. That. So yeah. I'm, I'm actually curious about something, Mike, because um, you just told us about your story. And there's, you know, we talk about, talked about being woke, right? There's always that moment. There was certainly that moment for me where, like, I woke up or I saw, I heard the voices that were not serving me. I saw my life. I saw what was missing. I saw the disconnection. And I got there the hard way. I got there through struggle, I got there through tragedy, I got there through depression, I got there through loss, I got there through hitting my face against a really hard wall in the end, right? For me, it was, really wasn't the, the, the most tragic thing that happened in my life, but like, it was the last drop, right? My divorce, the start of my divorce was that last drop for me. And, you know, and I heard many people speak to this. And oftentimes when we, we run into each other, we speak to people like you, that is oftentimes how we get to this point where we just completely change our lives around. I wonder what your opinion is about, can people actually get there? Like get to that moment of awareness, of seeing things, seeing what is actually happening without the, the struggle, the tragedies, the pain, the hitting the face against the wall and, mm. you know, just doing it the hard way. I'm just curious because that is not my experience. And I know it's not yours either, but I wonder what your opinion is. It's definitely not my experience. And, but you know what? I, we criticize the younger generations, but they're way more woke than our they generation. They are. <laughs> I agree with you. These kids are being born like aware and awake of things that we've been blind to, that we were blind to. And they're, my experience is, is they're open and receptive to things that we were shut off from. Mm -hmm. And their eyes are open to things that we were blind to and that we, that we refuse to see. And with, I, I'll speak to our generation because I, I mean, that's, that's, yeah, that, I think that's who I know the most about is if we don't, it's almost like we're all pain motivated. And if we don't fail big enough, then there's not enough pain and there's no reason to do something different enough. So people, people are, and I'll, again, I'll speak to our generation and older generations, but we, we've, we find ways to numb. We find big ways like, hallucinogenics and alcohol, right? And uh, overworking and gambling and oversexing and uh, watching, you know, obsessively watching Netflix and, and, and binge watching. We've found like hundreds of ways to cope with, with pain and with, with suffering inside. But if there's enough pain, it'll catalyze a change. And people, <laughs> we're not that bright, but people are pain motivated all the way up until you're not. And what I mean by that is you're either running from pain or you're running towards purpose. You're never doing both at the same time. Mm -hmm. You're a survivor or you're a creator. You're never both at the same time. And there's a, there's this miracle point in the middle when you stop running from survival and you stop running from pain and you start running towards what could be and possibility and potential. But Typically, what I've seen, my experience, and I'm not saying this is for all 8 billion people on the planet. My experience is that if there's not enough pain, there's not enough reason to do anything significantly different in life. And I've watched people in my, in my family lineage live average, mundane, mediocre, miserable, angry, depleted, sacrificial lives, and then they died. 
because there was never a reason to do anything different. They had just enough money to get by. They had just enough people in their life to get by. They had just enough to get by. They, they didn't hate their job enough to change. They didn't love their job, but they didn't hate their job enough. There was just never a motivator for them to do anything significantly different. But when you stick a gun in your mouth, that's, that's pretty, pretty motivating, right? right? Like you, people that lose it all or people that almost, you know, lose their life or, you know, uh, near death experiences. Like th these are reasons to make significant and substantial and, and like impactful changes in your life. But without that pain, it's just human beings aren't so smart that it, it could always be different and better, more fulfilling. Right. I hope that answered your question. We, we yeah. can we bump it in the walls, but what we typically, typically do in order to, to get the lessons that we need to learn. Right. You know, what I'm, what I'm also here, what I like, I got an insight from what you were saying is, you know, it also really depends on where we came from, right? Generationally, it really matters where we came from, right? Because right. the level of awareness that we, I had as a 20-year-old, the level of awareness that a 20-year-old that I 20-year-olds are meeting today, they're not apples to apples. It's Night a completely day. different story. For one thing, right? Technology, social media, you know, our phones, like information is so much more available today. I didn't have an iPhone, I didn't have access to social media, I didn't have a lot of the play, the internet. The internet, I was in my 20s when the internet came out. I didn't even know how to get online. Right. So we did not have the same access to information, knowledge than this, this generation has. Right. So there's a fundamental difference between where we came from and where, where this generation is going and our children and so on. So I never actually really thought about it that way. But that, that does make a difference. Right. But how, because it's that moment of seeing it, the moment that you see it and you become aware of it. But what helps you see it and become aware of it, yes, it's like hitting your face against it, but it's also the moment that you hear something different and it makes you think differently. And now you're questioning things. Well, I don't know where she got it from, right? I, I, I can't trace it back because I didn't have this level of courage, but I have a, a, an 18-year-old daughter now of 20 who's at college and an 18-year-old that's still a, a senior. She's a senior in high school. She still lives with us. But somewhere around eight or nine, maybe when she was like eight or nine, um, I was a, I was a hiney spanker. I was a, what is it? A corporal punishment guy, right? I was raised getting my hiney spanked. So I was a hiney right. spanker. And one time, you know, I spanked her hiney and she looked at me and she said, stop hurting me. And it, and it was the last, the last time I ever touched my kids. Right. And she was eight years old and she had more courage than I ever had in my life. Right. Right. My dad should not be hurting me. And she screamed at me and laid a boundary that I never had the courage to lay with my family. Right. And I never had that level of confidence in myself and assertiveness. I didn't, I didn't have that level of assertiveness when I was in my forties, my early forties. And here when she's eight, she's standing up for herself. Like, I don't know where that comes from, but holy shit, do I want some of that? Because one time she was in school and one of her teachers started talking down to her. And this is when she was like 15 or 16. And she's like, let's get something straight. You're my teacher. Don't talk down to me. Like, you're not that level of an authority figure over me. You're my teacher. Like, but let's, let's get this role straight. You're not going to disrespect me. And really she, no one ever should. And she <laughs> is a, she is a kind, sweet, thoughtful, brilliant young girl. But nobody steps over her boundaries. Mm -hmm. Will not subordinate herself to anyone. And you know what? I love that. Right. I want her to lead my country. <laughs> You know, one day. The point is, some of these kids are being born way more with accelerated maturity and resolve and commitment and courage. And, and then we say, well, they spend too much time on their phone. You know what? Then they, when they put their phone down, they're smarter than us, too. Right. 
And we got to, we got to like, give them their props, man. These kids are being born at a, at a magnificent time in, in, in the world. And we like to think that the world has more problems than, you know, than ever before. It, then turn off the news and you'll, and, and go out in society and you'll see that there's more, there's more heroes and servants and there's more, more people who love each other. And there's more social acceptance and, and people supporting other people. If you just turn off the television and shut off the drama in your life, shut off the conflict, the external source of the conflict, you'll see that there's more love in this world than there's ever been in, 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 in its history before. You're just looking in the wrong places. And these kids have it. I'm telling you, they're on to something. Oh. I, can, I, can I say something? As a parent, I feel that you know we also have to recognize where we had a part in not just you know because oftentimes i found myself being like oh my god i traumatized my children right but i when i also observe something like what you were describing that in, in my children that i really i mean admire so proud of i learned to give myself you know some credit for that too right because oftentimes yeah we may make the mistake but there are awakening is a ripple effect and it affects our children too, right? So our ability to recognize, you know what, that wasn't right and go back and repair it with them or go even go back and repair it with ourselves and bounce back. That is something that is that sinks in for them. That is something that has affected them. That is something that we're modeling for them. That is creating who they are, is a part of that, right? So I just wanted to say that because I think it's important to, for us to recognize that as parents. I think there's, there's another thing I, um, I'll just throw in, 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 in the equation. And, and it's funny where you get your inspirations. I was watching a Christmas movie the other day, go figure. And, um, <laughs> there, there, the question was to this, to the, to this young girl, um, about reindeer It's like, how, how can they fly? How, how do reindeers fly? Like, like every reindeer I ever saw never flew. And I've been to the North Pole, actually. <laughs> and, uh, so, um, but uh, she related a story I heard four years ago um, about bumblebees. And bumblebees aerodynamically cannot fly. Their, 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 their makeup, their wings are too small, they're too chubby. All these weight, weight ratios, all, all these things basically say they can't fly. And the fundamental reason why they do is because nobody told them. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So true. You know, and and when I what I see now, and I've got I've got uh, grandchildren. Um, I, I've got uh, my oldest grandchild has just graduated. Uh, at, well, second and third year in university, and then I've got one that's only a couple of years old. But um, I watch them mature and i've got my my four-year-old uh grandson is riding riding a 75 cc motorcycle right now um <laughs> you know uh and, and and i was thinking prior to this show um as a parent as a grandparent we look at we look at things like that through our lens and we go oh man don't get hurt do all this all this kind of stuff right that's, that stuff is so far from, from their radar. Yeah. Right? They're experiencing life to the fullest without conditions, without barriers. They're doing it because it's fun and it feels good. You know, and I watch these kids go on TikTok or, or you know, these put these little reels together. And, you know, um, when I, I and I'm, I'll date myself, stop motion photography was a big thing. <laughs> okay so i i i did a lot of with the film strip and things like i did a lot of stop motion in high school um i loved it because there was no boundaries like you just you didn't have boundaries and you were allowed to uh just do whatever you want and i think a lot of that is within and and we have that innate ability we have the innate resilience and mental wellness within us that's there but we also have the ability to talk us out of that. Sure. And I think kids haven't haven't quite got our adult hat on kind of a thing where we've all of a sudden put these, these things like importance and and we must have purpose and, you know, all the stuff that takes everything out of fun. 
You know, like, why are we doing this show? We're doing this show because we have a blast at it. You know, talking, talking last week, um, I said to Fatih, I says, I got to pinch myself every day because of the incredible people we come in contact with. I would never have, have had Mike like yourself on, you know, I have, have this one-on-one thing, you know, it's, I said, I'm doing it because I'm having fun. And I, and, and we, if we bring that back, not to be childish, but be childlike, you know, it's, it's, um, that's, our worlds will expand. It cannot help but expand. There's Seth Godin. I I, I love Seth oh, Godin. Okay. Yeah, uh, yeah. And and in his book Lynchpin, I mean, I'm. I, I, teachers are awesome, and I know there's so many people that really give a crap about our kids, and they really do care. They're working their asses off to do everything. So I want to make sure all of this is not out of context. But he said our school system is perfectly designed to create the factory workers that we needed a hundred years ago. Absolutely. And, yeah. and we, we, we haven't, even though we add all of these, you know, these programs, we still make kids that are trying, they have so much energy in their body and vitality and their di- They just need to run around in circles and we're trying to put them at a desk and we're trying to make them robots and we're trying to get them to fit into this little freaking cookie cutter mold of what a good student looks like because we need factory workers a hundred years ago who will sit at this desk and who will do thing for eight hours a day and the school system as it sits was designed to create workers that were disciplined and would just do what they're told and just follow instructions and like they you could give them a work instruction and they would just follow it and not ask questions that's still what we're trying to crank out with the current dynamic, right? Okay. Even though we keep adding, we add innovative, you know, classes and things, but we still make kids that have so much energy in their body try to sit and we try to contain them for a short period or for a long and, period. Of time. And, and to pay attention. And if we, and if we don't, we'll medicate you normal. Yes. Well, well it, it, look, and, and this this goes back my life. My life. I was told when I was a kid, you talk too much, you talk too fast. You talk too intensely, right? You 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 move too fast. Everything about you is too fast and too intense. Then when I got to corporate, I was told that I, I talk too fast for my employees, my HR managers. You're too intense. They're intimidated by you. Slow down. Lower your voice. Yada yada yada. And it's like. I mean, I tried to fit in this box where I was trying to be soft and tender and not intense. And I was trying to talk slow and I was trying to talk nurturing. And now, like after all this stuff fell apart and I started rebuilding it, I just went back to that intensity and that speed and that pace and that volume. And now I get paid a lot of money to speak. Uh That's who I always was. And the world tries to condition you because it's not normal. It's not within a small paradigm that's comfortable for everybody. And we're too busy making sure everybody's comfortable to allow people to really be themselves, right? We've got kids or in our education, we're designing them as a, by committee, yeah. right? And, and, and I don't know about you, but have you ever heard the analogy of, do you, do you know what a camel is? A camel is a horse designed by a committee, <laughs> right? So it's 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 dysfunctional, and you know, wouldn't it wouldn't it be interesting? Wouldn't it be interesting to, when you see the child, looking out the window, quote not paying attention, instead of belittling him or pointing out the fact that hey, turn around, pay attention, I'm up here, right? What if we got curious? What are you creating? Where are you right now? Right? Oh, I'm I'm. I'm thinking about rocket ships, battery powered rocket ships. I don't know, right? It's like like we have such an untapped resource out there that we want to stifle innocently, right? Until you have a new model to play with, what are you going to do, right? Mm-hmm. So I mean, there's it's guys like like yourself, Mike, that are that are um, uh, disruptors, as Fatih would call it, you know, and and we point out that there's there's a way of thinking that needs to be challenged and and it's just that's on offer we're not saying it's right or wrong it's just needs to be challenged go, go back yourself right 
go back a couple decades ago when people thought Elon Musk was like just this insane lunatic <laughs> that, you know, was just, he should just go sit in a corner and shut up and stop and stop embarrassing himself. Yeah. And, and it, it's, it's those people that won't give up on themselves that just keep talking and keep being themselves that eventually they go from sit down and shut up to, Hey, what did you say? Could you say that again? Right. Right. And then, then you start to pay attention when you see that they're, they're abnormal, they're different, they're misfits, but they're misfits with a purpose and with a cause and with a reason. They've got something that not the average, the average human being doesn't have. And it's our, it's our uniquenesses and our differences that, that create our genius, not, well, not how we're like everybody else. You're abs- uh, there's a really good YouTube uh, by Sean Acorn. I don't know if you, there's another guy that I look up. He's very much like um, the Peter Sangies and, and the and um, uh, anyways, the um, the outliers, the the, uh, the guy that wrote the outliers, Malcolm Gladwell. Yeah, Gladwell. Um, you know, he talks about you know uh, we love stats and we love the straight line and we love to look where everybody, all the normals, right? And we call that we call that normal where everybody kind of lies in there, right? But we've got all these little dots that are outside the 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 straight line kind of a thing, right? And we 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 casually casually erase them <laughs> because they're anomalies or they're mistakes or maybe um they're outliers right and and why are we doing that we need to be looking at what makes them unique and then we'll find out you know what we're all unique yeah we're all unique no one has a story like you no one will ever have a story like you. No one will have the same amount of experiences, the same, the same lineage, the same genetics, the same. No, nobody will have the same thing you have. You are one of one, and that is your genius. And the more you express that, the more, yeah, the more recognized you'll be, but the more normal you'll feel. <laughs> like, so, and, and look, it's about living in integrity and living honestly and, and, and living like with full transparency. And, and in, in, in the first chapter of, of the imposter in charge, I, I spilled all the beans about what had been going on in my life and the, the abuse that happened in the home and my molestation when I was a kid and, you know, how I was molested and all these secrets that I had kept from the world. And it was like a catharsis. It's like, whew, now I don't have to hide that shit anymore. Holy crap. Like, like, I mean, it felt so much lighter. And then I got to just express myself. And then I went and spoke at, I was, I was a, a speaker, a, I guess a surprise speaker in a group of entrepreneurs. A friend of mine put on this thing for entrepreneurs in, over in Illinois. And there was about 200 people in the, in the audience. And I, I just wanted to support him. I literally just showed up to support him. And uh, he said, tonight's, uh, tonight's event and our theme is authenticity and it's i want to show you what radical authenticity looks like because i've invited my friend where mike mike's here and he doesn't know he's going to be the guest speaker and mike can you come up here like and i literally i'm like holy shit i mean i had no idea and and he's like introduce yourself and i said my name is mike kitko and at the point i was probably 45 years old i said my name is mike kitko i'm 45 years old i'm an entrepreneur from st louis i live in st louis missouri and for uh you know for 16 plus years, I physically, mentally, mentally, emotionally, and, and abused my wife and my kids and sometimes sexually abused my wife. And uh, I'm, I'm no, no longer that guy. Mm-hmm. And, and, and like the mask is off and I'm, I've, I've, I've suffered in my life and I've gone through challenges and traumas and all the darkness that's hidden and buried inside of you that's your gift and that's your glory and that's your purpose and that's your mission. And after that event, I had a, a like a people lined, you know, lined up to talk to me because I just helped everybody in that room feel normal. They didn't judge me as being bad. I yeah. made them feel normal. <laughs> and that's what we all want. Like when somebody drops your drawers and just like, tells everybody and they're just raw and vulnerable and open and open book. And when, when I came on here, I said, guys, anything is on the table, like a, a black underwear. That's the color I have on right now with, with the gray <laughs> band around it. It, it's, it's all an open book. 
Like, why would we keep any secrets when, when we open it up, it feels so freeing and it helps everybody feel more normal. Right. right? Normalizing their, their challenge. When you share your pain, everybody gets better. Why would we keep it to ourselves? Yeah. Yeah. Good points. Yeah. Good points, Mike. Wow. <laughs> what, what an amazing conversation. And, you know, I do want to highlight before we, we close, I want to highlight your book. You mentioned it, The Imposter in Charge. And then you also have this wonderful podcast that I've been listening to. I'm a, officially a subscriber. Um, one, of, one of your last episodes, the last two episodes were like wonderful. I really enjoyed it. every episode actually that I listened to. I feel like I learned so much. You have incredible guests coming on. So I want to invite everyone to go check it out. It's called Lead, Love, Profit, Play. Uh, I'm guessing anywhere you get your podcast. Uh, I mean, go and listen to, to the podcast, read the book, follow Mike and his work. It's absolutely inspiring mm-hmm. and, you know, like empowering, empowering, mm-hmm. just like you shared, you know, to, to really witness and read about somebody's story in such an authentic and raw way, right? The fact that you can be here and, and talk about it so openly and just put it out there and like feel empowered by it as you speak and, and also show some emotion. I mean, I caught on to some of the, the moments where you felt emotional. That, that's where I think the power of, you know, our impact lays, right? In, within that like connection with ourselves and being able to just put it out there authentically and, and let others see it. Let others see what we have on the inside. Just got emotional with you saying that. And that I that I've gotten one standing ovation in my lifetime. Like in in you know, when I was speaking in my my speaking career or whatever you want to call it. And I was speaking to a room full of about 80 women entrepreneurs. And I I dedicated that session to just honoring my wife because she was there. And I told the story of of our collapse. And our rebirth, and I, I put every ounce of energy I had in just elevating and putting my wife up on the uh, up on the freaking altar that she deserves to be on, based on all the shit that you know we went through. And I cried, like <laughs> I cried. Probably, I mean, I couldn't even spit out the words. Mm-hmm. And and people stood up, right, and and, and clapped. Like people, when you talk about being raw and being vulnerable and being transparent. People honor humans who are being human, who aren't, look here, people honor humans who aren't hiding the fact that they're human. Yeah. People love to be around people that they don't have to be someone different around in order to be okay. And the more we're vulnerable, right? We're the thought leaders in the world. The more we're vulnerable and raw and in full integrity, and we just show our, our authenticity and show our good and our bad and our ugly and our, you know, the bad breath and all of it. The more we just show all of who we are, the more, the better this world gets and the more people feel normal and feel safe right. and feel valuable. And that's really what all, right, is helping people feel more valuable in every aspect of life. And on my podcast, it's called Lead, Love, Profit, Play. And we're playing around with changing the name to the inner game of wealth, right? Because that, that's like, to me, that's, a, that's a more powerful message, the inner game of wealth, finding that inner wealth inside and everything around you. On my podcast, I have a lot of just, just conversations, just me and a mic, right? Me and this microphone. And they're typically around 20, 25 minutes long. And when I start when I start my, my episodes, I literally just have an index card with a topic. No notes, just a topic. And I turn, I, I turn the mic on and say, hey, I don't know where this is going to go, but here's the topic we're going to talk about. And we're going to see where this goes. And it's just me talking to myself, right? <laughs> but it's, it's an unscripted, unrehearsed, unplanned episode and it just allows us to, to just be human together for a little bit. Just jam, right? No editing, no stop, start, no, 
just be human. Just allow yourself to be human. Just even, even start today, be human for five minutes and then tomorrow six and tomorrow, the next day, seven and watch your life improve dramatically. And be okay with your humanity, right? Just Don't okay. judge it and, you know, feel bad. Right? We're, we're, we're all, we're all scared. We all, we're all in elements of pain. We've all experienced pain. We all experience pain from time to time. We all wake up worried about finances and our spouse and our kids. And we worry about all that shit. Just don't pretend that you don't. Right. When, when I tried in, in Marine veteran in my corporate career, I just like, all, all I did was beat my chest like I had it all figured out. And that's because I was in so much pain. I didn't want anybody to know. And all that stuff, it was just a big turtle shell to try to keep people from hurting me more than I was already hurt. Yeah. And when you try to fit, when you try to show the world that you have it all figured out, that's when I know that you're more lost than anybody else. Yeah. And, and there's so much wasted energy doing that. So much, so much. Right. Ooh. Wow. Mike, I love you. And I love you guys too. Yeah. Great, great conversation. Thank you so much. <laughs> so much of your story. I really saw myself in so many parts of it. Thank you for sharing that with our audience. Thank you for yeah. opening up to us. Thank you for coming on, crossing One more, thing. One more thing. There's an there's an old Buddhist maxim. That said, if we all sat around a campfire, all 8 billion of us sat around a campfire and told our deepest, darkest secrets, we'd all laugh at each other for lack of originality. Yeah. <laughs> so true. So true. Like, in, in my mastermind and in my groups and in my intensives, when one person shares their pain, like there's five or six others going, me too, me too, me too. And then there's excitement. Then there's happy tears instead of sad tears because we're all in the same fucking shit together. Yeah. But some people are trying to pretend like, like they're not. Just stop pretending and start living, right? It's a lot more fun on this side. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> I, oh, man, we could, we could, we could go on. Yeah. But, uh, we're gonna have to bring you back on, man. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. There's no doubt about it. When, yeah, and then talk about your relationship with Joe Dispenza, too. I, right. I, I like to talk, and I won't say no when I'm invited. All right, well, thanks again. Thanks, everybody, for joining us. Once again, you know, um, go seek out Mike's work. All the all the information is in the description of the of the show, including the podcast later on, which will be out in about twenty four hours. Um, also, um, if you liked our show, give us a like, give us a review, subscribe, share us. Um, we'd love to have you back next week. Right, so, on podcast or YouTube. Yeah, you bet. Amazing. All right, Thank you, everyone. Thanks for having me on. Thanks, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate every listener that is committed to the journey of transformation. And if you found value in today's episode, join us for the next conversation as we take on a new topic every week. Subscribe to our podcast so that you won't miss any tips and insights. Your experience of the show means a lot to us. So please help us amplify our impact by posting an honest review. This action matters to us more than you know. You can find us on social media at An Honest Look Podcast and on our YouTube channel at An Honest Look. Bye for now. Ciao, ciao. And until next time.